0: Well, let me ask you, what is it that you are building like in your life? What is your life building? You know, I think whether we realize it or not, we're all building something. Some of us are building families. Some of us are building careers. You're working to build a reputation. You're you're building a business. Maybe you're building somebody else's business. But we're all building something. And one of the things I've noticed in life is that we kind of just go through life and expecting things just to to fit together. It's kind of like we don't realize exactly how intentional we need to be when we build things. It's like buying something from Ikea. Anybody ever? Any Ikea? Who's got an Ikea shelf at home? Right? Like three of you. You guys are lying. I know. You guys have been to Ikea. But it's like you pull out the Ikea bookshelf, right? And then... If you're like me, you try to build it without instructions, and you put it all on backwards, and you got to take it off, and you broke the little peg, and it's kind of what we do with our lives. We are building things, but we're not really intentional about it. You know, I love to, I love to pretend that I know how to do DIY projects, but I don't, but there's some great memes out there and great pictures. So just imagine you're building a house, and you find a hill, and so you just, I'm going to put a driveway in, and I'm going to make sure that it's easy to get in and out, Right? <laughs> That's called not being very intentional with lot planning, right? Or, you know, you want to put a new doorbell on your house, and, but you get a little distracted, and so you just leave a little sticky note on the front that says, well, if you want to ring the bell, just connect the wires. <laughs> or the best is when your shower stops working, but you have a case of Natty Light sitting in your refrigerator or in your dumpster from the neighbor. <laughs> so let's just fix our shower and, you know, I The reality is, like, we're all building something, but a lot of us don't really know how to build it or know what to build it or how, how to, to get, go about it. But there is something deep inside of us that wants to build, right? There's something that's wired in us. It's why we go to Home Depot and we buy all those new flowers every year, right? It's why your backyard is full of you know, two-by-fours and pavers because I'm going to do something cool this year. Like, we want to build. We just sometimes don't know how. We work with a YouTube video, and it seems really easy until we start doing it, right? You know, what's funny is if you look back at our great-great-grandparents, like, they, their first call was to build and to work and, and, and to put things together. Notice, all the way back in Genesis chapter 1, notice what God says to our grandparents, Adam and Eve. Notice what he says. He says that he wants to let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So it was this this reality that God wired us to to build things. We're called to be his image bearers who build the kingdom of heaven on earth and take care of everything that God has given us. The problem is, though, we just haven't done a great job of following the instructions. And we think that we know how to build it better than God knows how to build it. And so we start building it our way and the next thing we know, we're attaching Natty Light cans to our shower heads hoping that it's gonna help us get clean on the way to work. See, the re- reality is that we need instructions if we're gonna know how to build what we need to build. We, we've got an elder here at Forefront and his name's Ron Bansell And you guys will love Ron. Well, Ron has a really cool hobby. He builds Star Wars Legos. Isn't that cool? So now, just imagine, you, you pull out a Star Wars Lego, it looks cool on the box, and then you pull out the bag, and what, do we, what is it? It's just a giant bag full of little pieces. And if you didn't have the box, and you didn't have the schematics to know what to build, how's this thing going to look? A lot like that driveway, right? But see, what we need, (laughs) we're going to go throw the football later. What we need is the instructions, right? We need a picture of what we're building. We need to know what it looks like. We need to know how to do it. Otherwise, it's never going to look like it was created to look, like it was intended to look. And What I'm excited about today is when we get into Acts chapter one, we're going to begin to see what God wants the church to look like and how God created you and I to live in such a way where we are the followers and the believers of Jesus who go and build the church around the globe. And so is there a better way to live? There is. And and Jesus tells us in Acts chapter one exactly what that looks like. So I'm really excited. Start this new series called Kingdom Builders. And so the idea is we're gonna crawl through the book of Acts for the next two months, and we're gonna just look at what does it look like to be the church? What is Jesus' intentions for the church and how does that impact our lives individually? If you guys are new here, we have been on a journey through the Bible. So we start all the way back in January of 22 in Genesis, and we do doing little series throughout the Bible to talk about the greater story. And it walked all the way through Jesus in the empty tomb. And so now I want to just spend a little time in the book of Acts, just talking about what is this, what's the next step, what's next for us. And so that's where we're going to land today. If you want to catch up on some of the past messages or um, podcasts, we've been doing podcasts every week that tie into the message, you can go to our website and just click on the Greater Story Resource tab, and you can follow along. So grab your Bibles, Acts chapter 1. Now the book of Acts is really cool. It's actually... uh, part two of the book of Luke. So the author of Acts is Dr. Luke. Somebody say Dr. Luke. Luke. So Luke was a companion of Paul. So on Paul's travels, his missionary journeys, Luke traveled with Paul. But we do see something really interesting at the beginning of Luke and the beginning of Acts. We see that he's writing to a certain guy named Theopolis. And we don't know a lot about Theopolis, It could be that Theopolis was a buddy of Luke's who asked to know more about Jesus, and so Luke began to write this biography of Jesus, and then it turned into uh, chapter, you know, volume two, which was the book of Acts about the church. It could be that Theopolis was a wealthy Christian who basically bankrolled Luke's journeys to go do all of his investigating. We don't know for sure, but what we do know is that he was important enough to have his name written at the beginning of the book of Acts, which is pretty cool. And so uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 1, notice what Luke has to tell us here. He says this, Acts 1, verse 1. In the first book, he's talking about the book of Luke, O Theopolis, I have dealt... We should write letters like that more, right? Like, hey, O Mitch, (laughs) let's go have lunch. I'm going to text you this week that. In the first book, O Theopolis, I have dealt... With all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands to the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them for forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So, after Jesus walks out of the empty grave, he, he's around for how many days? Forty days. There's significance with numbers in the Bible, by the way. Pay attention to that. Three, four, seven, 40. And so he, Jesus is, is intentionally spending time with his disciples for 40 days. And, and they're spending time together. Jesus is teaching certain things. He restores Peter during that time. If you guys are familiar in, in the, the end of book, the book of John. And so they're, they're, they're kind of hanging out with Jesus and they're really waiting to Jesus, ask Jesus a question. They've been just, just eagerly waiting to ask Jesus a question, and they didn't really know when to ask it. And so they're, they're hanging out with Jesus, and there's this moment in time when they ask Jesus the question they have been waiting to ask him in verse 6. Notice what it says. And so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, it's interesting. If you're not really familiar with the Bible, or you're kind of new to the Bible, you might wonder, what are they talking about? When we look at the life of the disciples, as they followed Jesus for three years before Jesus went to the cross and rose from the grave, he had been talking about this kingdom of heaven. Now, they thought the whole time that Jesus was going to come and become the actual king of Israel, that the Messiah was going to come, he was going to push back Rome, this military military genius, and he was going to be the king. And so now they see Jesus, he, he, he dies, they get scared and run off, and then he rises from the grave, and now they're like, oh my gosh. He truly is the son of God, like he said. He truly is divine, like he said. And so they're like, okay, well, so now he's really going to be the king of Israel. This is going to be awesome because we don't have to worry about anything now. We're going to be able to sit in our cush offices and drink our uh, mac- macchiatos and our oat milk lattes and just be rulers. And so they can't wait for Jesus to get in his position. And so they ask him, so Jesus, when, when are you going yeah, when when to move into the, you know, the White House? See, they wanted Jesus to restore Israel to its splendor when David and Solomon were kings, minus all the wives and the murder and, you know, all the other stuff, right? So they expected this, and notice what Jesus says to them in verse 7. I love this. This is so good. Notice the kindness of Jesus. He says this. It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. I love how Jesus always throws you for a curveball. You're like, hey, Jesus, where are we going for lunch? He's like, it's not time for you to know the times and the seasons, right? (laughs) Like, so Jesus, like, think about his kindness. Jesus could have been like, dudes, are you ever going to get it? When are you going to figure it out? This is not about the size, the strip of land in Israel that's the size of New Jersey. This is not just about Israel. This is about humanity. But he doesn't do that does he he says hey guys don't worry about the win leave the win w-h-e-n up to my father who is in heaven so i don't know about you but i know in my life you guys probably aren't this way but i know i am is that i'm always worried about the win anybody else always worried about when is this going to happen You're like, God, I feel like you're doing something in my life. God, I feel like you've called me to something. I know my purpose is more than just what I'm doing now. When is it going to happen? When are you going to call me out of this? When am I going to meet that loved one? When am I finally going to be able to buy this house? When am I going to get out of debt? God, when, when, when? But notice what God says here. Jesus is saying this, that, that as we learn what, somebody say what. As we learn what God is calling us to, we'll realize he has the win under control. This is what we need to know, because we're all just going to keep asking for the win. You might wonder, why do we do this? I think it's because we have trouble seeing the big picture. So almost five years ago, when Courtney and I moved to Colorado, we're driving the U-Haul truck, and we're on 470. I know you guys love 470, right? We're on 470. And it had summer of 18, there was a ton of wildfires in California, the wind all blew here, and we couldn't see the mountains. And we were in Highlands Ranch, crossing Broadway, going on 470 West, and I can't see the mountains. And I look at Courtney, and I'm like, I could swear last time we were here, there's mountains. (laughs) Like, I don't know what happened to them, but I I think they were here. And finally, we get to like Kipling, and it clears, and we can see the mountains, and I'm like, there they are. I knew nobody moved them, right? Like, Jesus said something about if you have the faith, right, you can move mountains. I was like, hopefully not. So anyways, we, we got to see the mountains, and it all came into in picture. I think one of our issues, the reason that we have a problem um, asking when is because we're always too far away from it, and so our view is obstructed. And so what, what happens when you and I are not close enough to what Jesus is calling us to do? Well, who is our focus going to be on? It, it comes on us, right? And so the further I am from Jesus, the more my focus is on me, my comfort, my security, my purpose, my money, my fill in the blank. And that's why the this idea, Jesus is drawing them closer. Jesus wants us to move closer because the closer we get to Jesus, the more we see the big picture of what he's calling us to do. So Jesus says, don't worry about the when. I want you to understand the what. So, notice verse 8. Notice the what. He says this. Notice verse 8. He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he's like, Hey, Jesus, when are we going to storm the castle in, in Jerusalem? He's like, You're not. And instead, you're going to go to the ends of the earth. This is really cool because Jesus is showing them the biggest bigger picture here. It's not just meant for Israel. It's meant for all of humanity. Jesus' mission is bigger than us. It's it's meant for all humanity. Jesus didn't choose these disciples, and he didn't choose us to be his people so we could have cush jobs and sit in the air conditioning. Jesus chose us so he could change our lives and change our hearts and change our relationships and call us to live the life we are meant to live. But to do it, we have to understand the instructions of what he's calling us to do. You know, one of the, the things I love about, about the Gospels is that Jesus is continually telling us about the kingdom of heaven. And one of the realities about the kingdom of heaven is that it's, Jesus is always portraying the kingdom of heaven in a way that shows us that it's so much bigger and so much beautiful, more beautiful than what we even could expect. So Jesus tells us things like the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Anybody ever held a mustard seed? I haven't, but supposedly it's like the smallest of all seeds, right? One of the smallest seeds. Mustard seed, Jesus says, sprouts and turns into the biggest of plants, actually trees, that birds can come and sit on. So Jesus says, take this little thing, this thing you think is small and seemingly insignificant, and place it in the ground, and it's going to grow into something that beautiful, and it's going to taste delicious on corn dogs and foot-long hot dogs. Right? <laughs> Jesus says, imagine the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, and you go and you find that treasure, and that treasure is so valuable, you will sell everything you have to go and buy the field. It's that much more beautiful than anything you already have. The reality is, though, for us to experience it, we have to step into it. We have to get closer to it. So Jesus says we have to expand our our, our view. See, the reality is in my life, I think I've found myself that too often I think of like faith and church and Jesus being something we do, right? It's like, it's just something you do. It's part of your weekly routine. You go to work, you go to the gym, you play on the softball team, maybe do a little sand volleyball. You go to church on Sundays. That rounds out your week, right? But, you know, it's interesting. Like, I think when we, when we think of faith that way, we miss The the aspect of how deep and how rich it is supposed to be. See, following Jesus isn't something you do. It's not like I'm on keto this week, right? Anybody been on keto recently? I know y'all have been on keto. So, but it's like, oh, I'm on keto. Like, you aren't keto. It's just keto is something you do, right? But following Jesus, it's, it's bigger. You know, some people go to the gym and then there's bodybuilders, Right? Some people like they run, and then there are actually like marathoners. Some people like to work on cars. Other people are mechanics. Jesus doesn't want you just to go to church, just give him a head nod. What's up, Jesus? Good to see you. See you next week, same time, same place, right? Like, no, Jesus wants you to be all in. He wants you to lean in. You can't. Reality is, guys, you're either moving forward or backwards in life, right? You guys know this. You're either moving forwards or backwards. Jesus wants us to continue to move forward. So I want you to notice the word that Jesus uses for the disciples, right? Notice back in verse 8, it says that they are going to be witnesses. Somebody say witness. witness. So a witness literally just means eyewitnesses, right? What do eyewitnesses do? They give their testimony, right? They give their account. How many of you guys have been to a great restaurant? And then what do you do the moment you, tell, you go to that great restaurant? You tell somebody, right? Like you tell somebody. And we do free advertising here at Forefront, just so you guys know. So, you know, you go somewhere great. You're like, need a coffee? You're going to go to Cafe LA. You need jalapeno poppers? You need to go to the 49th. Actually, don't go to the 49th. It's already too crowded. (laughs) So don't just, don't go on Tuesdays, for sure. Tuesdays at 1130. Please don't go. But, like, there's a reality. Like, when you do something that is good in your life and you experience something good, you want to tell people about it. That is being a witness, and Jesus says, I want you to be my witnesses, which should tell you that following Jesus is something really, really good, and really good for you. And if you're at a church where you, or, and you're following Jesus and your relationship with Jesus is pretty dry and pretty, pretty bare and not very good, then I'd say you need to consider how you're actually following Jesus. Are you close enough? Because Jesus is so, so good. And so, He says there were witnesses. Paul, later on in the book of 2 Corinthians, will call us ambassadors. Somebody say an ambassador. So an ambassador is someone who represents a government who goes to another country as its representative. So Mitch last week talked about us being citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So we are ambassadors of that kingdom. Jesus says, you're going to be my witness and you're going to go into Judea and Samaria and to the ends of... Of the earth. And notice this mission Jesus invites us into is to help fix what is fractured in humanity. It's bigger than anything we could ever be engaged in on our own and way more beautiful. So put, let's put verse 8 back on the screen again. So imagine you're the disciples and you hear this from Jesus, right? Okay, so your mission is to go here, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And how do you think the disciples felt? You think they were like, let's go. Probably not, right? Think about it. Most of these guys have never left Israel, right? So I'm sure they're like a little, it's a little daunting. They're they're wondering like, am I going to have to get TSA pre-check? Like that's a, like I'm not even old enough to rent a car. Do I need to call my dad? You know, like (laughs) there's all this stuff, right? You're starting to have all these questions. And you guys are the same way. Let's be honest. When we feel like Jesus is calling us to do something, like if you are a believer and you put your faith in Jesus and said yes, like this is your call too. Jesus is saying that we are to be his witnesses all over the globe. And the first thing we start doing is we're like, whoa, 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 Jesus, hold on. I don't have those skills. I don't really know that many people. I'm terrible at public speaking. I'm an introvert. I'm a guardian. You guys don't know what that means yet, but you will. I, I, all these things, like there's no way I can do this. I don't have the skills and I don't have the abilities. And Jesus says, hold on. You don't need to because there's a special ingredient. How many of you know that Sprite is more than lemon and lime juice, right? It needs sugar, and it needs fizzy stuff, right? Carbonated water, that's it. I heard something in the back. You cannot take the gospel out to the ends of the earth on your own because you don't have power to do it. But you know who does? Who does? Jesus, Jesus does. Look at verse 8. He says, but you will receive power. Somebody say power. power. The Greek power... for. The word for power is dunamis. Somebody say dunamis. 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 Close enough. Anyway, <laughs> it's where we get the word dynamite from or the word dynamic. And so here, here's the, the reality. Like, when, Here's a picture. So when the railroaders started putting highways through the mountains, they didn't just pray and move the mountain, right? They used dynamite to blow holes in the mountain so the roads could go through And so Jesus uses this word dunamis, dynamite. Like the power that comes from the Holy Spirit is gonna be like dynamite in your life. It's gonna give you the power to be able to go and do these things he's calling you to do. It's actually not up to you. Like your ability to accomplish Jesus' mission in your life is not based on your strength. It's not based on how tight you can lace your boots. It's not based on white knuckling it or, or just trying to have enough mojo to get it done once. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's what this means. This is beautiful. It's not dependent upon your strength or your ability or your charm or your charisma or your good looks or how educated you are or how good you are at apologetics or how many frequent flyer miles you have through Southwest Airlines. It's not based on any of that. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit of Jesus moving through you and in you to help you take the life-changing message that he has given to you and your life to the world. Isn't that good news, church? That is such good news. It's not about my talent, but it's about his power and his grace, and the Holy Spirit is the secret ingredient. So I think Jesus wants us to see this, that Jesus calls us to follow him on mission, and we leave the results up to him. See, some of you right now are kind of in a place where you just don't know what to do. You just feel paralyzed. You feel like God's calling you to step out. You feel like God's calling you to talk to your neighbor across the fence and invite him to church. You feel like God's calling you to ask that friend a conversation and begin a relationship to talk about Jesus. You feel like God may be calling you to go to Guatemala for the very first time and step out on a mission trip, but you're all of a sudden, you're like, I don't know what I'm going to say. What happens if they ask me this question? I don't know how to answer it. I can't speak Spanish. What am I going to do? Why would I do that? And Jesus is saying, stop putting yourself in the front. Move closer. Get closer to me. See the big picture. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to move. All you have to do is be faithful and go. Somebody said, Go. Go. All we have to do is be faithful and go. So so Jesus gives this this mission, really, the what. This is the what that he gives to the disciples. And then he does something really strange. Look at the next verse here. In verse 9, notice what happens here. In verse 9, it says, And when he said these things, as they looked on, so Jesus is talking to him, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, angels, right? Verse 11, and, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Now that's kind of crazy, right? Like, Jesus like, finally, after 40 days, like, hey, guys, here's what we're going to do. You guys are going to be my witnesses, and you're going to go here in Jerusalem. You're going to take the message out across the world. And they're like, okay, all right. We've got the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, you're here with us? And Jesus is like, and I'm not coming, right? I'll see you guys later. And then he supermans out of there, right? And Jesus is just, he's gone, and the disciples are just left, like, what? Imagine how you would feel, Right? Like you start a new job and your boss is like, hey, I'm going to show you everything to do. And then he goes to lunch and doesn't come back. you can be a little worried. And so the disciples are looking and then now there's these two angels who are like, well, why do you guys just stand up in heaven? Really? Like we just saw Jesus go into the sky. You'd be looking too, right? Like we'd be looking too. And they're like, he's going to come back the same way he left. And I'm sure they're like, well, when? Right? It's like 2.30 right now. What time do you got? 2.30? Is that central time or mountain time? I don't know, this daylight savings time is going to kill me, right? Like, they, they, they are just curious, like, what's going to happen? But there, There's so much in this that Jesus, I think, wants us to see. Now, the ascension of Jesus is, is really one of the most important things that we read about in the New Testament, but at least talked about. Like, we talk about the cross, we talk about Jesus being born of a virgin, we talk about Jesus coming out, walking out of the tomb, but we don't talk a lot about the ascension. Why, why do you think that is? I think it's, at least for me, it's because it's difficult to wrap your mind around, right? Like, it seems a little fairy tale ish let's be honest, right? It's like, hold on, Jesus just supermaned out of here? Or is like, did he hop in a hot air balloon, right? Did he have like a, like a jet pack? You know, what, what did he do? But I, I think as, as we look in, a little bit deeper into this, we, we see that, that there's something more to Jesus that he's revealing to us here. Think about it like this. When Jesus rises from the grave, if you, if you remember at the end of, book, of the book of John, we see Jesus go to see his disciples. What does he do? Does he knock on the door? If you know the story, does he knock on the door? Does he climb in the window? No, he just appears, right? When he's, when he's walking with the uh, disciples who are on the road to Emmaus, he's walking with them and they don't even realize it's Jesus because he's, he's, he's got the power to keep them from recognizing him until the very end and then he, they, they break bread and then he vanishes, so we see that Jesus has power to, you know, to, to come in and come out and, and move spatially. And we don't ever see that in Jesus' life, except a couple of times when Jesus, like, walks through the crowd when they want to stone him, and Jesus does some things. So Jesus has this power. He just didn't reveal it to his disciples yet. But now they're seeing it. So, you know, you, you might be wondering, like, how did Jesus, if we think of heaven as a spiritual place, that's what we see in Scripture, Right, it's a spiritual place. How did Jesus just vanish physically to spiritual? Because well, Jesus has the power, because he's God, because he's the one that spoke it all into existence. He has control over nature. That's why he can stop waves. Right. That's why he can walk on water. And so, don't let if this story bothers you about Jesus ascending into heaven, like floating away. Like, don't don't let that hang you up. Like, if Jesus has the power to come back to life, then Jonah had the power to live in a fish. Moses had the power to build big a build boat to build a big boat. No. Jesus, Noah, Noah. Who, what I don't know, I said <laughs> Noah. Moses, he probably built one too, but it was Noah that built a boat. <laughs> Jesus has the power to ascend into heaven. Okay, Make sense. So I, I think let, let's not let that, that mess with us. But why is the ascension so important? Here's why, because it shows that Jesus came and accomplished what he. Was meant to do. See, the reality is Jesus came with a purpose. And Jesus' purpose was to, to come and to enter into our humanity, to experience all the things that we experience. To, to say um, yes, where we said no. Jesus was here to succeed where we failed. He was here to pass the temptations where we fall short. He was here to show us what it looks like to follow Jesus, to follow God, to follow him, and that this is the best plan for life. And he was here to go to the cross, to take our sin on his back so we can be forgiven of our sin. And then he was here to rise from the grave so he could defeat death once and for all. And now that he's done that, it's been accomplished. And it was time for him to, to move on because he, from the command center of heaven, he can do everything he needed to do because now the Holy Spirit was gonna reside in the hearts and the spirits of believers. And so Jesus' plan was always to empower his followers to spread the kingdom of heaven all around the earth. And so I think what Jesus wants us to see here is that it's really easy for us as believers sometimes to think that our faith journey stops right there at faith, that what he's calling us to do is to build our own kingdom of comfort and peace and happiness, and that it stops there, and that Jesus just exists to make us happy. But by Jesus moving on, going back to heaven and giving us the Holy Spirit, it's proof that Jesus wants to call you and me into the mission. Does that make sense, guys? He wants to call you and I into the mission of taking the gospel all around the world. And that is what's going to change our perspective to see the big picture. In Matthew 6, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' most famous sermon, he he says this. He says, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, what you're going to drink, where you're going to live. Or are you going to work? Or how many games the Nuggets are going to win? Or how many games the Rockies are going to lose? Right? Like, don't don't worry about all this. He says, actually, what you need to do, though, is seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. What does that mean? That means that our priorities have to be in the right order. When we seek the kingdom of Drew, I'm stressed. Anybody feel that? The kingdom of you, I'm stressed, I'm anxious. When I seek the kingdom of God, I'm centered and then all these things will be added to us. And so Jesus actually ascends into heaven so he can show us, or he ascends into heaven so the Holy Spirit can move through us to accomplish the mission he's called us to. So some of you might be wondering, okay, so I see the what. We're supposed to go and take, be witnesses and take the gospel, but how? Like, how do we do this? I don't know what to even do next. And there's a clue from what the disciples do. Notice this, we're gonna close with this. Notice this in verse 12, it says this. Then they, the disciples, they returned to Jerusalem from the mountain called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went to the upper room where they were staying. And so we got the disciples, we've got uh, the, the whole crew. And it says that all these are with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Okay, so notice what they did. Jesus says, guys, I'm going to give you this mission that's going to be bigger than you can imagine, and it's going to be scarier than you can imagine, but I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit that's going to guide you and help you through this. And notice what they did. They went, and what did they do? They prayed. You're like, that's too simple. That's too easy. That's not going to work. You're going to see next week that it did. They literally went and prayed and they didn't just throw up a quick prayer on the way to the gym like they literally gathered together and it says that they were one accord which means one heart, one mind, one spirit and they were praying for God to move and to show them what he wants them to do. Here's the reality guys is that God reveals our how. He tells us our what, but he reveals our how as we prayerfully seek him together as God's people, as we prayerfully seek him together as a church, as life groups, as we prayerfully seek him together, as, as friends, as, as believers, as, as mentors, mentees, whatever it is, as we prayerfully seek Jesus together, it's then that God reveals to us the how. And then he'll show us the when. But the when always comes later. See, there's something beautiful that happens through prayer. You know, if you look at over the course of the church, the history of the church, one of the things that you'll see is that God moves in beautiful ways when people gather to pray. And this is often how he reveals where he wants us to go. Jerusalem, that's the here for the disciples. Judea and Samaria, that was the near for the disciples. To the ends of the earth, that was the far. They had no idea how they were going to do that yet. But it was through their prayers that God revealed that to them. And it's been that way for the church. George Mueller who was a, a, a man who lived in London and he, he went to a prayer meeting and he sat down and he met Jesus and, and, and then in and that moment he realized that God was calling him to do something. He looked around the streets of London, there was orphans and orphans and orphans and he said, I got to do something about this. So he started a series of orphanages and he housed more than 10,000 kids over the course of his life. It was at a prayer meeting. That George Williams felt the call to help rescue kids off the streets, men, young boys off the streets who were getting into trouble. And it created the YMCA. Here's a picture of Jackie Robinson at a YMCA in Brooklyn. The YMCA was born out of a prayer meeting, he was at a prayer meeting at Williams College where five men who felt called by God went and hid under a haystack because they were scared of lightning, where they began to pray that God revealed to them that he was calling them into the mission field. And it was there that American Missions was born. You're here, you're near, you're far. God reveals them to us as we seek him, as we seek him individually, but, but there's something beautiful that happens as we seek him together. And so I, I wonder... As we think about this mission that Jesus called us on as Forefront Church and Center Church now come together as one, where is God calling us to go? Where is our here? Where is our near? Where is our far? Right here in Denver, what is God calling us to do here? In in, in Colorado and in the U.S., what is God calling us to do near? On the other ends of the earth, what is God calling us to do far? You know how we're going to find that out? It's by praying about it. This is my challenge to us is that over the next few weeks, let's begin to pray in our life groups. On Sunday the 21st, we're gonna have a prayer night here. Let's just come together and pray. Like, as you get together with each other, let's just pray and ask God, God, where, where are you moving? What are you stirring? What, what is it that you want me to, to do? That you want us to do here, near, and far? But before we do that, the perfect opportunity to pray right now so i just want to take a moment and you can stay in your seats invite you to come kneel at the foot of the stage we have prayer team in the corners Uh, hook up with somebody in your row just sit next to somebody in your row and pray and talk let's just take a moment to pray and ask god god where are you calling us to go what does this look like for us to be your people your witnesses your ambassadors here near and far so let's just take a moment and do that and then we'll close in prayer